0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a program made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name is Armando, a.k.a. Hot Take Mondo, and I am joined by my co-hosts and friends, Reese, a.k.a. Referees, and Kyle, a.k.a. The Oracle of 39th Street, which is, which is a new nickname for <laughs> us. Why do
1: you guys take me so literally? It's a great name. I love it.
0: I mean, we like did a live episode, and then it showed up on your like little, like icon thing, so everyone knows you. All five hundred people that watch, thank you again for watching our live shows. We will do more soon, uh, but please like our page on Instagram. We're almost at a hundred followers, which. Which is great. I love that. So uh, make sure you go to Found City SM on Instagram and we have a bunch of other stuff as well. We have our Patreon, our Facebook, our Twitter. So make sure you join all of those things because that helps our podcast. And of course, download this podcast that you're listening to right now as it helps our viewership as well. We've surpassed a thousand downloads. We talked about the last podcast, but the Oracle of 39th Street is here today. We've passed a thousand downloads, dude woo that's that that's a big deal
1: that is and like especially, that's with, especially with the live stream numbers like let's see belle delphine pulling those numbers looking like us come on
0: <laughs> <laughs> um i think belle delphine does pull those numbers but whatever so today on Found city sm but looking like
1: us <laughs> yeah, yeah I,
0: I think you missed the joke i did i did miss the joke Bell delphine does not look like us is basically the,
2: joke? the the joke is that I need a haircut and I need to shave oh dude, you got a righteous beard yeah you 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 always grow a great beard man you really do See, listeners, this is what happens when your friends lie to you. Sometimes, sometimes they lie to you for good reason. No, like, guess, Other times, they will lie to you to make you feel. Look, better.
0: like, like you, you can throw a, you can grow a thick beard. I really can't grow a thick beard, so I actually enjoy it. That's that's actually honest Mondo today.
2: That's fair enough. I do look like a baby without a beard. Yeah, you do I look like a giant man child. I will say you look like a little baby, and not in like a fun strong jawline. Like, ha ha ha! John Mulaney looks like a child. No, I look like a man child
1: man should we do man child mondays if we get like oh geez i can't keep making these, <laughs> these fake bets and fundraisers uh man child monday <laughs> yeah
2: if, if we get 32 million
1: <laughs> likes kyle, kyle will, will shave, shave his beer, beard beard on air dude i do that for free though I mean, I I would do it if I had some wonderful Duke Cannon shaving products. Duke Cannon. It's a
2: blast. We're not even sponsored by them.
1: Yet.
0: We will make sure and tag Duke Cannon when we post this episode on Instagram.
1: Laying the groundwork, Kyle. So,
0: Like I said, we all have nicknames, but today we have one nickname, and that one nickname is Brett Veach. We are Fountain City SM. Today is Fountain City GM. Today we are going to be talking about the top 3 off season moves that we would make if we were Brett Veach. I have no idea what Referees has. I have no idea what Oracle 39th Street has. I don't even think Oracle 39th Street knows what Oracle 39th Street has. But we will figure out what our biggest off season moves will be and the goal of these off season moves is that we have zero holes on the team. So can we get 3 moves We don't have to talk about salary cap because it's a mess. Let's just let's just think hypothetical because last year we thought that our salary cap was a mess, And then we we restructured Travis Kelsey's contract. We restructured Patrick Mahomes contract to have five hundred million dollars on it. So, yeah, forget the salary cap. Let's just talk about three big moves we would make because we are going to take down this going for two that Bruce Arians has
1: invoked. Wait, Bruce Arians is saying they're going to go for two next year? He, wait, we,
0: you didn't see all that? How did you miss we, we this? We were talking about this. He was like, he was like, we ain't, we ain't running it back. We ain't doing that bullshit. We going for two. We going for two. And he was like drunk as hell when he was saying it. I, I actually did word for word there.
1: I read the quote about the run it back bull, but I didn't read anything farther than that because Bruce Arians looked like an edgelord who had just shaved his neck beard.
2: <laughs> yeah, the exact quote was, that's Kansas City's bullshit." That's the exact quote.
1: Dude, Bruce Arians couldn't coach his way out of the Madden tutorial level if his life depended Yikes. on it. He's lucky that his team... <laughs> His team was chocked full of drafted talent that was there before he was there, and then when Tom Brady came, he brought even more of his free agent friends to join. To the point that that team was chalked to the gills, much like Bruce Arians was chalked to the gills. If you catch my drift, of talent and all of those offseason moves and, and see,
2: scored
0: a touchdown. By here, the way,
2: herein lies the reason. Herein lies the reason, Freds. You know, I know Armando was trying to bait me with that little jab earlier. But herein lies the reason that it really just fills me with a deep sadness that this is our topic of our podcast today. I know we have to bring this to our listeners, and it's a great topic, and I thank Armando for coming up with it. But what just really pains me deep in my soul is the fact that this is such a garbage Frankenstein-like attempt at assembling the Avengers that for various reasons from injuries to refereeing to the normal course of the heartbreak of a super bowl embarrassed us and it just it just makes me mad that it's these guys that did it. oh man it just makes me sad well i, I wanted to say this last podcast we gonna bring it up this time uh i am a
1: little bit vindicated in the fact that other national pundits have been bringing this up as well but like Did we rip on San Francisco last year after we beat them, like, nearly as much, if at all, to the amount that Tampa Bay's been ripping on us? Or any team against another team in history?
0: We didn't talk about Jimmy Garoppolo at all after we won the Super Bowl. I haven't heard his name since I just brought it up right now.
2: And furthermore... i mean and and sort of the micro lens with like multiple of my friends who are niners fans like there there was a sense that like yeah let's go at it again and both make it like i want a rematch i think a lot of niners fans were like ah if like if you gave us this game again we could win it you know that that was sort of their kind of idea and you know back then maybe right i mean obviously it didn't turn out that way but like the spirit after the game was like yeah Heart- heartbreaking loss for san francisco but the but the idea was like yeah we'll be back like bring it next year you know let's see you here again that's not how this feels this season
1: and if you want to know what really like grinds my gears it's the fact that we beat a better team than this tampa bay team in the super bowl last year that niners team last year would have beaten the pulp out of this tampa bay Buccaneers oh, team. oh totally Totally. Because even though we beat
0: San Francisco, San Francisco from quarter one to quarter four still had a very impressive defense. Like their their defense was still amazing. And I definitely don't think Gronk would have scored a touchdown, Fournette would have scored a touchdown, Antonio Brown would have scored a touchdown on all those people.
1: Yeah, there's not a reality where we dropped two hundred and forty uh receiving yards on some haphazard whatever his name is in a game where we played the 49ers Winfield. last year. We could play the 49ers a hundred times and that wouldn't happen. But, you know, it obviously happened with Tampa Bay and uh, what's his name? Peace signed McGee, so, you know, who cares? Antoine Winfield. I'm, I'm sorry, what? Ant- 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 Antoine what? Winfield. Winstead's? Best burger joint in Kansas <laughs> oh, City? no, oh, here no, we go. Don't get me oh, started. Alright,
0: so we just got way off the rails. Actually, I want to get even, even more off the rails. Carson Wentz on the 49ers. Can they beat the Bucks? No. no,
1: he's a step down from Jimmy Garoppolo at this yeah, point. Yeah, that's a dude. downgrade. What? It's it's like that meme where you hit like the upgrade button and it upgrades to Carson Wentz, and then it like mashes the crap go
2: back button. <laughs> yeah, wait, go back, go back, go back.
0: <laughs> no, I totally think Carson Wentz is better than Jimmy Garoppolo.
2: Did you did you see any footage of Philadelphia this season? Yeah, like I mean he, he yeah, can't this, move this, man. This year was
0: this year was crap, but he still has a really great arm, better than Jimmy Garoppolo. And you put him against you put him yeah, behind really? that offensive line. I
1: don't know. But but Garoppolo's floor is so much higher and consistent than Wentz's floor is. I mean Wentz's got like a yeah. giant bell curve. Garoppolo's got like a much more moderate bell curve. But
0: if but if if someone's ceiling is higher i really don't care if their floor is lower if, if you have a good offensive line i think you can, you can get away with a lot as we saw with mr brady sir brady perhaps
2: and and those are the words of a large market lakers fan who never has to worry about salary <laughs> yeah yeah who who cares if they're a bust we can Fun, afford it but like i still yeah, watch doesn't sports. matter. <laughs> yeah yeah it doesn't matter sign him dwight howard who cares whatever rings baby
1: rings Like i'm gonna close the door on this conversation we just need to get into uh into what we're talking about today, Oh yeah. Fellas. Oh yeah. Actually, why don't
0: we start then with the Oracle of 39th Street? <laughs> How are you the one to keep us on track this time? Hey,
2: what fresh Oracle's hell is this? Oracle of
0: 39th Street. Give me your number one or your first thing that you would do if you were Brett Veach this off-season.
2: Uh the well, before we do that, I just have to say that that your conceit that the cap space is unimportant for this conjecture is is wrong in my opinion. Because I mean, like you just said, the only way that we were able to wiggle out of our like three hundred dollars of cap space or whatever last season was by multiple restructures. And so I think the number one move from Veach and Co is to prioritize number one like levels of relationships that they have with guys like Sammy Watkins and and levels of relationships they have with like uh, who else is sort of up? Fisher, um is Mike, Mike Remmers? Right? Yeah, Mike Remmers too, right? And yep. so... Oh, yeah.
0: All of the offensive line pretty much is free agent.
2: To put all those guys in a list of like who would be most willing to like negotiate in terms of like putting together another Super Bowl run team and then weigh that in the Venn diagram against the pieces that they actually want to keep versus who we're going to bring in in the draft. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... I think we're
0: we're agreeing on the same thing I was just saying in a different way. I'm saying that I trust Brett Veach to kind of figure out if we do want a big name guy that he could make it happen. Oh, like with exactly what Fair you're enough. saying. So I, I, I agree with your okay. premise. Continue.
2: Yeah. So I think number one move, unfortunately, is not J.J. Watt. As much as I want that to happen. Fair. That's fair. I think that the, um, the the amount of money, even though he's like you know got released and is but but because he has free ran the league, he's gonna want to get paid at least a little bit. And I think that that's not going to be in our future. I hope I might be wrong on that. What's, but what's the free agent marking saying that he's going to be demanding right now
1: or uh, bringing in as far as a free agent signing? Because if you remember, we signed Sammy Watkins as a free agent for what was it a uh, three years, forty five million. So, I mean, obviously, J.J. Watson is not going to be pulling in $15 million a year in a deal. But what do you think he's going to get? Well, I
0: think he actually might get something if he goes to Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh actually does have money and they're going to probably release Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, it really depends what they do with Ben, though. If If they can restructure Ben's contract and release Juju, then they can pay J.J. big money, which is a concern.
1: I mean, couldn't Pittsburgh kind of be sitting there lording his brothers, being like, if you ever want to see your family again, you will sign with us for the veteran minimum. <laughs>
0: and then JJ's like, fine, I'll go to the Chiefs. <laughs>
1: Pittsburgh would totally do that. You're right. So, so, Kyle, is that your first Brett Veach move saying we cannot
2: sign JJ Watt? Recent answer to your question, uh, that's part of the initial move is just getting him off the table. Uh, I mean, I could be wrong on that. And then this is all washed. But number one is... I think we'd all agree that the Kansas City offense is not necessarily what needs to be improved as a whole. So I think the number one most likely offseason move is to let Sammy go somewhere else.
1: Well, that's really interesting. Armando, do you mind if I jump into my first move? Because it kind of coincides with Kyle's. Go for it. Uh Kyle, I hear you saying that the offense doesn't need to be improved. I'm going to agree with you about 50% there. I'm going to say the skill players don't dramatically need to be improved. If you look up and down the roster, you know, we got elite talent with Tyree Kill. We got Travis Kelsey. I think what we need to invest in, though, is the offensive line, which I know sounds da doy, but hear me out on this. So the team is obviously at its best when the offense is clicking. Am I correct? I mean, you know, you look back at the 2018 team, even as trash as that defense was, we still were a hair away from making and winning the Super Bowl with that clicking offense. Would you agree? That's right. So number two. The offense can't click in any phase until this offensive line is rebuilt. And that was what was on display in the Super Bowl. We had all that talent to throw at him. Sammy Watkins was back. We had Clyde edwards helaire back. But we couldn't do anything. We couldn't execute Jack because Patrick was running for his life. Our receivers didn't have enough time to get any separation. The run blocking was not great. That's what worries me. So all this to say... I think the defense is good enough that an offense that's just even playing to its potential can more than make up for a mid-league ranked defense. So my number one thing for Brett Veach to do this offseason is draft offensive line early.
0: Now, are you saying first round and second round or first round? I, I guess we're going to talk about this later, but you want first round best available than second round offensive line or what do you think?
1: Well... That's what's going to be really interesting is that I know it's a really deep offensive line class. I've also heard there's a lot of fool's gold offensive line in this class. Uh, If you want a sleeper pick that if he's still looking like he might be on the board come around the 60s when we're taking our second round pick, uh, I'm going to say his name wrong, but Dylan Redunce left tackle at North Dakota State. Uh, Fun fact, everybody knows the story about Trey Lance threw 28 touchdowns and zero interceptions in 2019. You know how he did that? Because his left tackle allowed zero sacks in 2019. You can't throw if you don't got time, and that's what we saw in the Super Bowl. And I tell you what, North Dakota State in that program has more than proved their medal over the last 10 years, so I would be more than happy to draft that guy and put him at left tackle. Oh, totally. I actually have seen him go
0: off in the first round, like in the middle of the first round, so I hope he is back there because on some rankings they have him kind of like ninth or tenth in the offensive line rankings but I think some people might Mm -hmm. pull the trigger on him I I I think that's a great pick I, I I like that one
1: yeah it'll be curious to see how offensive line starved the rest of the league seems to be right now so Armando what's your first Brett Veach move my first Brett Veach move. It, so similar
0: concern as Reese, right? Offensive line, huge. We, we, we really need to figure it out. And honestly, I think even if we didn't do anything, we would still be better than this year, right? Because Duvernay Tardif is probably coming back. We haven't heard otherwise. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I, he said he wants to come back.
0: So we have him at right guard. I honestly don't mind having Mike Remmers as a right tackle. I, I really don't mind him starting the season and then Lucas Niang, you know, maybe at the end of the season becoming our right tackle, but at least having Lucas Niang as that rotational player. And I I really don't think that's, that's an awful right side. Um, on the left side, that's where things become fishy and that's where I think we should go in the draft, get someone left tackle, left guard. But the first thing that I think we do we sign former Green Bay Packer center Corey Lindsley, who is a free agent right now, who has been Aaron Rodgers guy. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is untouchable. He's he's been Corey Lindsley is a uh, is a pro bowler um, in, in in the 2020 season. He is also first team pro bowler. Um, amazing. And he is a free agent now. The caveat is we probably have to pay this dude. Like, everyone's going to be going after Corey Lindsley. I haven't done my research like Reese. I haven't seen who really needs a center right now. But if we can get someone like Corey Lindsley and to be the centerfold instead of Austin Ryder? Yes, please. Yes, please. If we get someone like Corey Lindsley, who has been helping Aaron Rodgers to the, almost the promised land every single year. So that would be an amazing first pick do that. And then it, it puts less pressure on the draft, right? We don't have to go out, and get the stud if he's not there in the first round if we get a stud in free agent there's a ton of free agent offensive linemen right now we have to get at least one if we don't get one free agent offensive lineman who is a legit veteran a former pro bowler hot take mine is going to be kind of upset
1: I mean, I agree with you. We got to invest in this offensive line. The question is, I know we said, well, you know, the, the cap is kind of made up. Does it doesn't matter. You know, there were a bunch of people I could have plugged in at left tackle. And I'm like, yo, he's going to be commanding $17 million a year if we pick him up. You know, his, his market values hovering around 14, 15. So do you think we could afford him with the cap space? I, th- I think we're currently sitting at about $15 million as it stands right now. So that's, that's not concrete, <sighs> but it's a good starting point.
0: Well okay so only if and this is going by Kyle's point as well is if we can restructure some contracts. So obviously getting Sammy Watkins out whether he is restructured or not that's nine million dollars off the cap. Uh, dirty dan dirty dan we're probably going to restructure if we re-sign him that's going to be restructured um alex okafor damon wilson like like we have to do a lot of restructuring and i think it's possible like kyle was saying people have to be able to to run it back per se like our kansas city motto i mean which which kansas city chiefs player doesn't want to come back and that's right maybe restructure their contract like let's let's name one and i I really can't like i know sammy watkins will probably come back for a, a vet minimum I mean, he knows his market value is not big, so we can get someone like him for vet mint. It really just depends, but I think it could work. I think we could sign a big-time offensive lineman to kind of solidify that, let Lucas Niang kind of learn from that system, as well as maybe a first-rounder. I hope we get a first-rounder offensive lineman. Having two young guys with that, maybe Eric Fisher's on the bench, just kind of, you know teaching the young guys he's not going to see any time and unfortunately i was trying to argue that mitchell schwartz is going to be back but the more i'm reading the more it just it does not look good which reese had alluded to that last podcast so thanks for for doing that because i was like no he's coming back and the more i read i'm like oh man this he's not coming back
1: yeah, well, that's that's plenty of waxing poetic. I, I I got more to wax poetic on our offensive line later on. Uh, Kyle, do you have any last words? Did you do want to hop into your second pick?
2: No, I mean I I think you guys misunderstood me that that I was saying our our complete offense is fine in, in terms of uh, you know run it and gun it Chiefs like Showtime kind of style, but. I'm kind of curious to see what happens with Lucas Niang just because it's kind of a big question mark in a similar way to like all of our draft picks last year, um, where it was like, could CEH really play Um, and could he really like start? And, you know, I think we saw this year that, yeah, he can make a case for that. And so I think that'll be a question for Niang, especially because he didn't take any snaps this year as to whether that'll be a fit. I think Armando, like you said later on in the season, is a good option for that. I I, I think I disagree that we can get enough restructuring to get under that twenty eight million dollars uh of, well, I was, to get far enough under it to sign to sign a big name. I mean
0: yeah something like Cory Lindsley. I, I also don't think Cory Lindsley is gonna go for 14 million. He'll definitely go for under that. Um and that could help us. But going to your going to what you were saying question mark on Lucas Niang I'm hearing a lot of good stuff about Lucas Niang. And when we hear good stuff coming out oh, yeah. of like training camps and stuff like that, that's usually what happens. Right. We, we heard a lot of good stuff coming out of Kareem Hunt, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Lajarius Sneed. Like when training camp and stuff happened, we were hearing a lot of good stuff. I'm hearing a lot of good stuff about Lucas. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that at the end of the 2021 season, Lucas Niang is our starting right tackle.
1: You know what? Uh, Since we're talking about Lucas Niang and we've all given our first Brett Veach move, do we mind if we snake draft this and I'll start round two of the Brett Veach moves? Whoa! Go for it. All right. So my move number two, it's going to be a deal to acquire Orlando Brown from the Baltimore Ravens. And here's my thing. I know we're talking about, you know, that Brett Veach got the cap under control and he brought some dudes back. It's kind of like, eh, sort of. He kind of Freddie Mac and Franny made the cap for the next year and kind of pushed it off about three, four years down the road. So obviously there will be casualties before then. And Orlando Brown would be one of the guys I'd love to get, but he would have to make adjustments between now and then. He's slated to be worth about 12 to $15 million on the open market. So it'd be possible by doing this. First off, Orlando Brown has told the Baltimore Ravens he wants to play left tackle. The Ravens are bringing in a more veteran uh, Stanley back off of injury and plugging him back in the left tackle. Orlando Brown feels he's paid his dues, showing what he's worth. He's upset. He wants a trade. Considering they're going to lose him if they don't trade him, I think I would package a deal of Nicole Hardman and a fifth-round pick to the Baltimore Ravens for Orlando Brown that way the Ravens add another speedy receiver give Lamar Jackson an option to throw to somebody alongside and opposite to Hollywood Brown give him some speed give him some targets see what happens what do you guys think of that trade do you okay if if we offer that do you think the Ravens would take that though would take Harmon in a fifth the Ravens, the Ravens aren't in a position to negotiate right now. They have a left tackle, so it's not like they have to hang on to this thing. This is a guy who says he wants to play left tackle or he wants to be traded. So if we can give, you know, him- I was gonna
0: say, I was gonna say, I actually had the scenario in my head as well about trading for Orlando Brown, but I was thinking just straight up Orlando Brown for the first round pick of the twenty twenty one draft.
1: That's too steep for me because we need to draft to keep players cheap, especially with the cap situation being what it's going to be.
0: I know, but Orlando Brown is so good. He's so great. I think either that or like two second round picks maybe for Orlando Brown. Because yeah, if we get Orlando Brown, like that line is
1: very good already there is one cap casualty that would have to come with this trade and that would be cutting eric fisher who was owed 15 million this year 15 million being eight percent of the cap on one left tackle who's not going to so what i would ideally do bring back mike Grammers, and then have your starting line be left tackle orlando brown left guard nick allegretti center austin Ryder, right guard ldt right tackle Lucas Niang. That way you got a little bit of depth in there. You can plug Remmers in at either tackle if needs be. You got a few more guys sitting on the bench you can plug in, but that to me is a solid starting five offensive line.
0: I don't like Allegretti, but I like everybody
1: else. (laughs) That's fair, and I'm not saying we got (laughs) to stick with Allegretti at left guard, but that is my Brett Veach move number two.
0: Okay, here's my Brett Veach move number two, and it is kind of a either or. Well, actually, I really want one, but one's not realistic. One is realistic. Our wide receiver two for next year is Allen Robinson from the Chicago Bears. Why? Because he wants to join the Kansas City Chiefs. Allen Robinson, right after the Super Bowl said he wanted to play with Patrick Mahomes number if he said number 15 is going you're off. spending
2: way too much time on Twitter dude you gotta get off Twitter No, because Twitter or follow is us where... on Twitter at Fountain City SM
0: yeah, yeah follow us on, on you gotta on get Twitter off
2: Twitter <laughs> and lay off the dogfish head dude
1: <laughs>
0: absolutely not because Twitter is where all the NFL players speak for example Patrick Mahomes on Twitter yesterday said day one and correct today is day or today' is day two And day two, found City Sports Media is doing something about it. Patrick Mahomes, we want Allen Robinson to be your wide receiver number two. We want him to be your wide out. Tyreek Hill at the slot. I mean, that would be just the perfect scenario. And the only reason why I think it could happen is because of Twitter and because of Allen Robinson saying he would love to play for Patrick Mahomes. What are the chances that he might restructure a contract to win a Super Bowl? He said he wants to win a ring this is where he can win a ring so this would be i mean oh my goodness travis kelsey alan robinson
1: tyree kill good night i mean i'd love to pick up robinson because he's a great talent a wide receiver and he's obviously the kind of person we need to fit that x receiver position we don't really have right now but dude i mean if we're gonna have a hard time getting orlando Bra- orlando brown to play <laughs> you know with the cap situation how are we gonna get robinson to join and I'm glad you brought that up because I can see that. I know it I know it is
0: very hard for us to pick that up. So, my more realistic pick at number 2, our wide receiver number 2 next year, AJ Green.
1: Oh, you bamboozled us. You You know, I almost I had this one and I typed it up 3 <laughs> times and I deleted it 3 times. I need to hear your logic
0: behind this. Okay. AJ Green, years of injuries, right? Not doing well. His market value is at an all-time low. But this last year, that the second half of the year, AJ Green was playing great. He looked very good, even though he's had a couple injuries here and there. He would be the perfect person to come in on a vet minimum contract and come in and actually produce, right? We don't need him to be the cowbell. We don't need him to be the number one receiver. We don't even need him to be the number two receiver because that's Travis Kelsey or Tyree Kill, kind of either or. We just need him to be the number three receiver on this team. He wants to win. He wants to win now. His market value is low. Give me AJ Green.
1: You know, uh, Kyle, I'll be interested to hear your thought on A.J. Green. I w- I would love to get him because he's a big body guy. He's like 6'4", over 200 pounds. He's exactly what we need to draw attention across the middle. But I know he's injured. I think he's still got some time to play. I think a lot of it's going to come down to how much we could get him for. Because I know there's talks about bringing Sammy Watkins back for like 2 three million a year. I would rather give that to A.J. Green, who can at least see the field. What do you think?
2: That's the problem, is that both those picks are pipe dreams. Like, there's no way that we get in the conversation with Allen Robinson. I don't know. I think that they're... Well, I, I, the, the, they're not both pipe dreams, I would say. But it, it would take some, some financial magic to get in the conversation there. I mean, he's like in the top five free agents in the entire NFL. I mean, I, I suppose it could happen. I see the AJ Green thing is a lot more likely, and I think that's just going to be directly contingent on where Sammy is with his health and where the dollar amount is that he's willing to come back for. I'm not sure if I go so far as to say that I want AJ Green over over Sammy right now, straight I up. I would. Sammy's never on the field. That's true, but AJ didn't play much this season either. I think AJ Green only missed
1: maybe four or five games. I think Sammy Watkins played in four or five games.
0: All right,
2: I guess I could so be convinced.
0: AJ Green missed a ton of games last year and the year before, but it, it was really at the at the back like his which is showing that he is evolving from his injuries. I think he had turf toe and he also had some sort of like foot issue that he has now kind of grown out of. So, give me some AJ Green.
2: That's fair. I got to say that as far as the second Brett Veach move goes, uh first of all, I have a hard time even thinking about this stuff, like we talked about earlier, because it just depresses me, and I don't want to think about it. I don't want to. I don't want to have to think about football, like for weeks after that Super Bowl. I just there's so much to be excited about. Spring training's coming up, baby. We got Sporting Kansas City coming down the pipeline. It's just like pulling teeth to get me to try to relive the horror show of Super Bowl Fifty Five. All that said. As far as y'all's second moves go, I think you might be putting the cart before the horse a little bit. I I mean, obviously, we've we've sort of like um, overemphasized the financial perspective. But there are also some questions that we haven't solved from, you know, 15 episodes ago when we were first starting this podcast a year ago. And I think the most glaring of them, obviously, like the O-line issues were uh, exacerbated by injuries and opt-outs this year. But the biggest one that we never really solved is Breland, Sneed, Rashad Fenton, the CB situation. That's fair. And, and, and so I think, and again, like it's, it's really my fault for not having an answer. But I think that the second move after we prioritize like getting the money to actually be able to make some moves. But the second move needs to be to answer that question. And I think that my solution is to just to pretty much only keep Sneed. I don't really know what to do with the rest of that. I, I'm not really sure how much Breland is really worth in terms of trade value. Um, I don't really know what we could get for him. but And, and I, I'm also not sure it's a better option to try to draft uh, another CB and then try to flip Breland for some value there. Well, you got a good point, especially in that
1: some of the guys that we have on our team, well, particularly the guys that we have on our team, they've already tasted the ring. So the question is now, do they want more rings or do they want the payday? And my guess is they might want the payday Mm -hmm. versus free agents on the outside of our bubble who say, hey, I've had a payday. I want the ring now. And they might come to the Chiefs. So the question is, like you're getting at, do we hold on to the known evil that we have in our backfield? or sorry in our secondary or do we want to try and go out and maybe get some journeymen or try and draft another mid-round need time?
2: all right everybody it's uh time once again for our favorite segment of the podcast and it is the segment in which reese reviews a beer uh armando will notice that i did use the term segment the beer review because this is a segment oh not only is it a segment it's a segment of which i approve uh but before we get into it only took
0: kyle like 45 episodes to finally agree that the
2: outlines that we do are legitimate and let this be a lesson to me dear listeners that one's opinions can change jeepers isn't that the plot of rocky four wow <laughs> lakers still suck though Anyway, uh, before we get into today's review, Reese has a little bit of history for us. Well, folks, I know we do a
1: beer review every episode, and it's our goal to expand on the goings-on in the beer industry. So we are looking to bring you a new sub-segment of the beer review segment every week, and it is aptly named This Week in Beer, or This Week in Craft Beer. Name patent pending, but it's going to be great. And it's going to be about This Week in Beer. So, This Week in Beer, according to an article in the New York Post, they have unearthed a 5,000 year old brewery in southern Egypt, which they are believing to be the world's oldest large scale brewery. No kidding. That's serious. It's pretty cool. And, uh, reading more into it they said they've they kind of like unearthed the understandings that this place existed about like 10 15 years ago but it's only recently that they kind of stumbled upon it so it's it's super cool and it's exactly what you think uh it's this giant like clay brewing pot kill sit kiln system like buried into the ground you know so they could climate control it and i'm sure there's you know Way back when, five thousand years ago, like Egyptian home brewers with their little like clay pots at home, saying, "You know, I just made a great clone of that mead coming from Cairo <laughs> Brewery. This is this is some crap. They should be hiring me."
2: I was just thinking about how, like, the fact that it was the New York Post that broke this story. I'm sure it had some awful headline like Anheuser Bush East. New brewery unearthed in 8000-year-old excavation. Well, you know, you know, it, it's funny because I thought the same thing. I thought this would be
1: some sort of like, you know, hogwash, but the very first line of this is actually kind of kind of clever. It said, "Before there was the king of beers, there was the pharaoh of beers." That's, That's pretty pretty not solid. clever
2: at all. That's the same joke that I just Ooh. made, and it's the same kind <laughs> of crap journalism that the New York Post has been doing for decades. But, well, it's, but it's but it's but it's way more it's it's
0: but it but it's way more it's, sophisticated. It's fairly than what you sophisticated. Said, Kyle
1: uh <laughs> so semisticative.
2: oh my god I'll, I'll let our listeners weigh in all, on that one
0: all i can think about are like people making the uh pyramids and then at lunchtime they all crack open a beer and be like this is crushable
2: i feel like both of you guys are somehow the target audience of this article and i hate it well i mean obviously since it's interesting i love it
0: they're like wearing their pharaoh their caps backwards or like wearing them sideways and they have like brewery t-shirts but they didn't have t-shirts back then.
1: They all it's, have it's beards. It's I mean, obviously, it's like, you know, this is super hipster low-key. You know, it's, it's about as low-key as it gets. So, Some more fun facts about the brewery.
2: Uh, we were drinking <laughs> booch 8,000 years ago, nerds. <laughs> Suck it, Portland. Yeah. E- EPAs, give me some of them <laughs> Egyptian pale ales.
1: So they... This is apparently the oldest brewery they found. They found a record of a brewery back in 2014 with the ancient brewmaster Konzo M. Heb, which was only a paltry 3,200 years old, while this one is 5,000 years old. Uh, last fun fact I thought about the article was that, uh, just let me put this in scale for you guys. It said it was believed to have made more than 22,000 liters of beer at a time. And by doing some basic conversions of how many liters are in a brewer's barrel, uh that is literally just a few hundred liters off of the size of the Boulevard Brewing system.
2: No kidding. I
1: mean so th- so they dug up essentially like wow. ancient Egyptian Boulevard Brewing company.
2: That's amazing. Well, I mean, and and, and so. like I, I I don't know about you guys, but like many kids I loved Egypt as a kid and like I you know for for sure like tons of like the existing hieroglyphics and like other excavations that people have dug up like there's there's tons of commemoration of like food and drink and like throwing parties and stuff so it's awesome to think about how that was like a big part of their culture and super cool that like you can physically see where they you know were making this stuff that's awesome
1: oh totally uh the only joke now being is you got to believe that like dogfish head is jumping on this thing because they have that ancient ales series you know uh oh my
2: god they do
0: (laughs) They're going to, like, snip some of the, like, yeast strain that they found on the excavation site, which actually, if we want to get nerdy, if they actually do find, like, some sort of yeast strain and are able to, like, replicate that yeast strain, that would be epic because then we can actually have some of that
2: beer oh but dude the, the hipsters are going to be insufferable if that happens Oh, can you imagine <laughs> dude,
0: I would I would pay millions for an Egyptian Ugh. yeast strain from 5000 years ago that sounds so crushable
1: oh my gosh it, well isn't that how the Midas touch beer got started was like they they found some ancient brewing kettle and essentially like scraped some of the good stuff off of there and they kind of reverse engineered it that could all be hearsay
0: Well, that's how a lot of the great breweries in Germany are
2: amazing. I feel like that's just the plot of every superhero movie that you just conflated with brewing. (laughs) Oh, suddenly I have tentacles. Time to drink a beer, I guess. I don't know.
1: Well, if this podcast gets uh, 3,200 shares, we will make sure to get Konzo M. (laughs) Heb on the podcast as one of our uh, Brewer interview series. If
2: this podcast gets 3,200 shares, I'll buy a ticket myself and go, like, sneak into the excavation place and, like... yeah. And here's the thing, you, you could lie about it, right? You could be like, oh, yeah, I totally went to Egypt and you just really, like, opened a packet of Fleischmann's and you were like, oh, yeah, that... That's
0: it. Ladies and gentlemen, if we get 32,000 shares, I'm going to find out. You just increased it by a factor
2: of 100.
0: Okay. (laughs) well, this is this is going to be hot takey. If we get 32 million shares, (laughs) then I'm going to hire the guy (laughs) that made the hologram of Vince Lombardi and make a hologram of of the uh, of the brewer from Egypt and interview him on the podcast as a hologram.
2: I'm not going to lie. That commercial was, it's not that it was really that bad because it, it, it's just like, what, what's it called? It's the, uh, the Valley of something. It's where like people Oh,
1: the uncanny Valley. Yeah. Thank you.
2: It was uncanny Valley for sure. Not to be
1: confused with the Philistine Valley where this 5,000 year old brewery. Nice. Nice. I was about to make a
2: joke about making lots of cans in a Valley or something. Yeah. But you got it. All right. Well, uh, this this brings me to the question, Reese. Are you reviewing an Egyptian-themed beer today?
1: You know, I really kind of dropped the ball on this in not getting some sort of ancient Egyptian beer or even some sort of, you know, like crazy grog or, you know, let's just crank it back a thousand years and go with some sort of Abbey Ale. But instead, I am going to be reviewing a beer from Schlafly. Oh! Everybody's... F- favorite brewery from across the state. Schlafly's not getting enough love right Shuffley now, man. has a that's great true. Christmas
0: ale in the winter. It's wonderful.
1: They got a great Christmas ale. They make the only palatable pumpkin beer on the face <laughs> of the earth, so I think that's worth a New York Post article I like, in and of itself. I like Sam Adams pumpkin beer. I like the commercial for Sam Adams pumpkin beer with <laughs> yeah. Bill Burr. That was great.
2: Uh,
0: SNL, Google it now.
2: Reese, uh have you well i mean you guys are more attuned to the world of beer than me honestly but have you guys heard about this kind of uh idea that schlafly is like not so good because i i started hearing that from people that it's like not a very good brewery and i have to say i don't really agree no i i don't agree either i think schlafly
1: gets too much uh i don't say hate but gets gets too much bagging on it just from the fact that, you know, I think they're... Uh, when were they founded? I want to say the mid-90s or somewhere around there. And, you know, they, they were kind of one of, like, I don't know, I don't want to say the exact first wave along with, you know, Boulevard O'Dell, Boston Brewing Company, and those guys. But, like, you know, they were definitely in the early stages of craft beers. Like, what are you going to do with the 90s? Stone Cold Steve Austin's not, you know, crushing a triple dry-hopped IPA over his head. He's crushing a Bud Light. <laughs> That's all there was. And, you know, just... just Subsequently, you no know, other breweries just kind of grew and grew faster than Schlafly, but doesn't mean they're not putting out
2: good stuff. Yeah, you know? Schlafly makes an ESB that was the first beer of that style I'd ever had. And it's still one of it's still one of my favorites. It's delicious. So
1: that is why today I have the honor of reviewing Schlafly Coffee Stout, which is a I believe it's a 5.7% ABV stout, which uses St. Louis Coffee Chain, Caldy's French roast.
2: Do you think they missed an opportunity to call it a schlaffy stout? Oh, absolutely Ooh. missed the opportunity to call it a schlaffy stout. I was going to say, oh, you know man. where you can
0: get these The bougie high Vs.
2: Why don't they have caldies at Aldi's? That's my question. Nice. Oh, nice. Wow. Swedish meatballs for the win. Actually, the real answer is that shopping at Aldi's is such an interesting experience because the prices are amazing, but the selection is like non-existent. Fun fact, Aldi's, the brother company
1: to Trader Joe's, which has a great craft beer selection wherever Trader Joe's with alcohol are found. Fair enough. I'm gonna I don't think I knew I'm going to strongly
0: disagree with that.
1: <laughs> I, oh, you're making a face. I'm like, did I say something that's been canceled?
0: No, I, I hate Trader Joe's like craft beer selection. One of the worst beers I've ever had is an IPA called the Boat Swain from Trader Joe's. The It may be the worst beer I've ever had. Shame on you, Trader Joe's.
1: I do remember you giving a very glowing review to something called Yosef's Brow, which I believe was a Hefeweizen. Shout out to Gunta. Oh,
0: yeah. That's right. That, that was from it, too. <laughs>
1: yeah. Find out more about Yosef's Brow in Season Zero, now streaming on Patreon. boy, good, good connection, Reese.
2: This has been another callback to Armando Miley Cyrus, prisoner of the
0: moment. No, because I also said I didn't like Yosef sprout. We we all made fun of it.
2: Oh, all right. Yeah. So the, there's actually two. Okay. All right. all right. Well, let me get this. Th- let
1: me get this beer review rolling here. Oh yeah.
2: All right, Kyle. So what is the first thing that we review? Well, I'm glad you asked, Reese. The first thing that we review is aroma. Well, I
1: got I got to preface one last thing before we get into this beer review, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Of Fountain City Sports Media, uh, it is my unfortunate pleasure to tell you that I suffered from COVID-19 back in January. So my taste and smell are still on the rebound, but I, I've pulled myself by my, my bootstraps and I'm, I'm here to give you a review on this. So, aroma. hoo boys and girls. I can tell you what, even with the recovering sense of smell, there is no shortage of coffee on the nose of this bad boy. I mean, you're getting straight-up black coffee French roast. Yeah, That's that's delicious to get. You're also getting a lot of the roasted malt in there to give it kind of that caramely, you know, like coffee-adjacent smell. Man, that it is easy for coffee beers to smell kind of stale or skunky. So the fact that this guy smells as authentically coffee as it does, aroma is going to be a 9.3.
2: That's a really good call. You know, I've noticed that, especially with... Coffee themed beers that are maybe not necessarily past the expiration date, but sort of pushing it, getting a little old or they've sat in the bottle a long time. Maybe the temperature has fluctuated a little bit. The aroma can be like the one the the first thing to like really tip you off that that coffee kind of thing is not really there like it should be
1: absolutely and sometimes with those big barrel aged imperial stouts you know made with coffee it's like you smell a lot of chocolate you smell a lot of the bourbon like barrel notes you smell a lot of things that aren't coffee but man this is this smells like coffee if my eyes were closed and you put this in front of my nose it'd be like wow it smells like cold brew
2: well i'm currently drinking a cup of coffee that's gotten very lukewarm so my drink also <laughs> smells like cold brew all right we'll compare and contrast notes at the end of it what's next <clears throat>
1: next we have appearance appearance on this you know it's uh a little bit lighter than i actually thought it would be you know uh oh man it's, it's a little bit lighter than a cup of black coffee would be in and of itself i would grate this as like a dark chocolate color as opposed to, you know just like black or you know extremely charcoal like a stout i gave me about two inches ahead when i poured it and it's gone down to about a quarter inch ahead of this time it's a fairly even head with a few bubbles bigger than other ones. Uh, the color of the head is also interesting. It's a very khaki-colored head, or you know, like the color of like if I got a pair of Dockers at Yonkers. You know, that's uh, <laughs> that's the color of the head. You're speaking my language, like Yonkers, this like New York. <laughs> no, Yonkers. I have this conversation. No, with dude, everybody. Dockers
2: from Yonkers. That's that's some yeah. That's some Saturdays mowing your lawn, baby. But one question I do have for you is what glass are you rocking that beer? I'm right just now?
1: rocking it in a uh, standard Boulevard Brewing Company tulip glass. Uh, it, I, I'm finding the, these in particular, the tulip glasses are really helping to like unleash the aromas of the beer, which, like I said, I, my, I'm smelling and tasting in standard def right now. I got 480i taste buds going, so any little bit helps. That being said, my eyes are working just fine. This is an attractive beer that's not going to knock you out with how it looks. I'm going to give it a solid 7.8. Nice.
2: How about flavor?
1: This one's interesting. It definitely hits you on the side of the tongue with the bitterness that coffee would right away. You also get a little bit of sweetness on the top of the tongue, which I'm guessing is probably going to come from the lactose in it. Uh, There's an interesting flavor in the back that I can't quite identify just yet. Okay, this is so not fair. And like I said, take it with a grain of salt because my COVID nose and all that. I'm almost getting like, an, like a floral aftertaste similar to almost like the essence of laundry detergent. Which I know there is no laundry detergent or cleaning supply stuff in this beer. I know that for a fact... Found- Oh geez, Tide Pod challenge. It could it could be an off flavor. It, it definitely could. It definitely could. And right now I can't be trusted. Well, I can this beer can be trusted because the more it opens up, the less I'm getting that flavor. So my guess is that could have just been like residual uh can conditioning. Uh-huh. Uh so one last sip and I'll give you my number.
0: Reese, while you do that, I'll nerd out a little bit. If you do smell some laundry or like a soapy flavor, that actually is an off flavor of the beer having too much pH in it or too much alkaline in the beer. So you are correct if it is an off flavor.
1: Well, I would buy that because the bitterness in the side of the tongue is kind of going down as well, like the longer this thing is open. So, you know, that being said, I found middle ground on it. I found peace. This is an attractive tasting beer that's easy to drink, especially a 5.7. I'm going to give flavor a 7.7. And how about the mouthfeel? Mouthfeel is very nice. It's got a very uh, light mouthfeel to it. In terms of heft in the mouth, it's not too dissimilar from drinking a domestic beer, which I don't think is a bad thing. It's not a knock. You got some carbonation in there. Uh, A little bit bigger of a feeling of carbonation in the mouth as opposed to something, you know, like velvety or super smooth going down like a Guinness or a nitro beer. Uh, That being said, this beer is very easy to put back. I'm having no trouble taking a couple sips at a time. I'm going to give mouthfeel on this an 8.1.
2: Okay. Uh, Always coming through with the specificity. I appreciate that. How about you tell us about the aftertaste?
1: The aftertaste, that's when I'm going to get more of those uh, roasted caramel notes as opposed to the coffee notes that I'm getting on the downswing of the taste. Uh, there's nothing too crazy about it. There might be a little bit of hoppiness to it, you know, uh, uh, a little bit of kind of a, a smooth, sweet leather taste coming back up. I'm going to give aftertaste on this a 7.9.
2: All right, Reese, last but not least, how about the I-7 RQ, the I-70 Rivalry Quotient? Oh, I love
1: it. Bring okay. First off, we need more I seventy rivalry games in a regular baseball season. That's not Thank just you. opinion, that's fact. That is that is canon. Second, all you sporting Kansas City fans and your high horse being like, why would be we be rivals with the St. Louis Soccer Club? Man it's like, shut up, guys. It's like they're totally gonna be rivals. We, we want need it. them to be rivals. Don't yep. you be hot dogging St. Louis right now. They're looking great. And before you know it, they're gonna be winning like 2 MLS cups in the span of like 7 years to be like why can't we do that well, they're still
2: a little brother
1: <laughs> Anyway, you're
2: so right. And you, and you so have your finger. Don't yell at our followers like no, that, though. Uh, he, no, he, he's talking about supporting Kansas City fans who, who feel this way, not necessarily our followers. But you're so right in that our fan base has gone from, like, the underdogs of, like, the early days of the Wizards, like, going against the LA Galaxy to total, like, resting on the laurels. Like, we're always going to be good. We should be competing for cups every year. Like, oh, Nashville, Orlando, LAFC, St. Louis – Austin, yeah. who are they? Minnesota. Well, look what happened. Beat
1: us twice. Armando, I'm, I'm only bringing this up because I've seen it enough times now in various threads of people who are like, well, St. Louis isn't a threat. St. Louis isn't our rival. I don't care if they're in the West. It's like, you should care about all of those things and get off your high horse. Rivalries are what make sports great. Speaking of making things great, some things I like about this beer... It's a 5.7% coffee stout, as I mentioned. Sometimes, you you always seem to get like 4% coffee beers or like 14% coffee beers. There's like rarely something in the middle. Subsequently, Mm -hmm. this bad boy comes in a delicious tall boy can, which is exactly how much I want of a flavored 5.7 beer. As you can see, I have refilled the top of my glass to the label. This is great so I can enjoy this for the remainder of the show. The flavor's nice, not too intrusive. This beer is crazy crushable the i70 rivalry quotient of this beer is going to be a hot 8.9 oh wow get get somebody from schlafly on wow. here we gotta we Dude, gotta we create
2: get, a friendship with them yeah,
1: we probably could get someone from schlafly there Schlaf is a great brewery. Schlaf is a great brewery. The St. Louis brew scene as a whole is super underrated. Shout out Urban Chestnut, Four Hands. Man, the, the list goes on. Perennial. Perennial? It's crazy. Dude, St. Louis, great city, great friends. Awesome time.
2: Right, because, well, sorry, one more thing. Because, like, obviously the option here is not to go. Like it's not like we're going to be able to trade any of these guys directly into the echelon of player that we want, because they're either too young and coming up, or they've, like you said, maybe already won a ring with us and are kind of looking to get paid. And so, like that, like it's going to involve some some chess. But that's
0: why we have BV. That's why we have Hot Take Mondo, because the third uh, yeah, because right. the uh, third move that Hot Take Mondo slash Brett Veach is going to make is signing A.J. Bouye as your number one corner who just got released by the Denver Broncos last week.
1: Boom! really? Hey. That slid under the wow. radar. A.J. Wow. Bouye,
0: Brashad Breeland, Legarius Sneed. I'll never have to say Traverius Ward's name ever again if we can sign A.J. Bouye. Oh, dude. <laughs> he was released by the Broncos. Released.
1: Why did they release some cap situation injuries? Yeah,
0: it's it's cap space. I would assume that they're trying to bring uh, Von Miller back, although he's kind of has some troubles right now. So I I don't know why, but yeah, it, it must have been because of cap space. Wow. Because they're because they're trying to bring in Deshaun Watson. Bum, bum, bum.
1: D- uh, Deshaun Watson's not going to want to come play in a division that's Patrick Mahomes and Herbert. In Dude, it. what he's, if he's just not?
0: What if? What if he went to the Broncos?
1: That'd be awful. But so AJ <laughs> Bouye, do you think that's a realistic chance we get him then? Um,
0: only only if. In your, in your argument, you said we need a journeyman or someone that wants to win a championship. Ejibuye has never won. He didn't do well with the Broncos. His market value has gone down, even though he's a very good cornerback, obviously one of the best. Um, he, he could take a pay cut. That's the only scenario that I can see. He's trying to take a pay cut. He's trying to get back at the Broncos. I mean, Bouye, Breland, Snead, forget it. We don't even need... A defensive line if we have those guys in the backfield
1: <laughs> that's a good point i mean we've seen guys like akib Tolib and richard sherman go to rivals you'd never think of for the sake of chasing a ring so it's possible i
0: actually was i actually was going to put on the very very end i know you're going to hate this but i actually put richard sherman because he's also a free agent and he sucks right now but eh why not
1: okay then so so is that your third thing then bring in aj so
0: yep that was my third final thing in in conclusion Corey lindsley alan robinson
1: aj bouye let's go oh my gosh i'd be so happy our defense would be just like 99 percent locked in outside the linebacker position <laughs> it would be the mike Didka bears well In that case, here is my third Brett Veach move. It is the least exciting Brett Veach move, but I think it is also very imperative, particularly, and could have a lot of domino effects and, uh, excuse me, uh, butterfly effects, ripple effects, many effects, uh, and that will be to re-sign Taco Charlton. And I know he's coming off of a broken ankle. He's not too young, but he's not too old. I would sign him on a one-year deal just to kick the tires, see how he's doing mainly because everyone's saying we have to get a defensive end to play opposite of Frank Clark so we can draw pressure off of him because he's getting double teamed every play. Chris Jones is getting double teamed every play. Uh, He would be a decent rotational player with Mike Dana and another mid-round pick starting edge rusher. Uh, What do you guys think of my Taco Tuesday challenge?
2: I love that you, I love, I love it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> he, Kyle loves it. Kyle loves it. You just hit me with a
2: whole lot right there.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I would love if if it was Chris Jones, Frank Clark, uh, Taco Charlton, and then at some point Treshawn Wharton hopefully make it into a prominent rotation piece. I still love Tano Passigno. I know he doesn't produce, but that guy is one of the biggest guys in the league. And his
1: size is definitely underrated. And I, I still believe in Tano. His size is great and he's a high motor player, but his production isn't necessarily there. I'm thinking we're gonna have to let K pass walk, we're gonna have to let Okafor walk. Uh, keep the cheapest and most reliable of those guys in Tarkle Charlton, because he had two sacks last year right before that ankle injury, which And also and also uh, Mike Mike Pinnell. Mike Pinnell we hopefully keep too. Mike Pinnell would be nice to keep. But what I'm getting at the, the the common factor in all through my big brev decisions here is that we do not have a very good draft we have like the most basic draft possible it's like here's your end of first round pick here is your next end-of-second-round pick, so on so forth through the end of the weekend. You know, we don't have a sneaky four, like second-fourth-round pick to jump in on to steal a little Jarius Sneed or the like kind of player, so he needs to be extremely careful with who he keeps and who he like goes this year because this is going to have a big effect going down the line once Pat Mahomes' big part of his half-billion-dollar contract kicks in about three years. Yeah, then, then we're in big
0: trouble. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of people that I'm okay with leaving, right? Like, if if we can't make a deal with Sammy Watkins, fine. Dirty Dan, goodbye. Uh, Okafor, goodbye. Breeland, if, if it doesn't work out and we're able to get a good cornerback, fine. See you later. See you later, Breeland. Um, Austin Ryder, Remmers, Osemele.
2: The one that hurts the most just for my soul is letting Eric Fisher go. That, that hurts my soul. I, I
1: mean, it sucks, but those are going to be the hard decisions, and I... I think I mentioned this with Fisher, but I think the big answer is going to be you got to let Fisher and you got to let Schwartz go. Or if you bring Schwartz back, you got to get him to restructure and have him as a backup at that point. Just have him be like a luxury super sub backup.
0: I think Fisher is going to restructure his contract if Brett Fish asks him to, because look, who who else is going to take Eric Fisher right now? Like Eric Fisher maybe has another year at best in his career left, unfortunately. So I, I think he's going to be able to restructure and kind of help out the team. But but the real big ones, because the the free agents that we have right now, Sammy Watkins, $9 million. Dirty Dan, $4.6 million. Brush, uh, Brashad Breeland, $2.5 million. I mean, if we can get off those contracts and really help those out and maybe restructure Eric Fisher, I think we can get a big guy. We can get an Allen Robinson. I think it's doable.
1: We'll have to wait and see.
2: Well, guys, my third Brett Veach move is to please stop making me think about this six days after the Super Bowl
0: (laughs) Oh, savage And you heard it here first Oracle of 39th Street has no No, Oracle picks this time
2: i i I mean honestly to to be honest part of it is that I, i don't really play fantasy football i don't like have this deep knowledge of like free agents and like who's on the trading block and stuff like you guys do so i really appreciate you know what you bring to the table and stuff like this i'm really not trying to hate but i am trying to hate because it's royals time baby let's go fair fair so
0: we will, we will probably touch base on the Chiefs before the draft again, uh, but stay tuned. As Kyle said, we are going to start diving into some Royals talk. We're going to start diving into some, Kansas, uh, some Sporting KC talk and then, of course, keeping up on the daily trends of the
1: beer world yeah it's it's been a really fun first half of season one to be honest you know it's we, we've had a good role recapping the chiefs every week. But when does when does season one end Reese? <laughs> I, I think season one ends uh, technically either well if, if we want to be super specific, you know we started in the end of July when we were doing the MLS's back stuff. So we could call that the end of season one, or we could just call like the Chiefs football season the end of season one. You know, just like football to football, fall to
0: fall. Do we do like every fifty episodes, maybe? Because we're almost we're almost at fifty. We're we're
1: very close to fifty. We're we're eleven away. That's crazy. Yeah. Hmm. Have like a what's a half centennial? <laughs> a half centennial. <laughs> it's it's not, it's not a bicentennial. That's two two hundred years. Uh. Is it, is it semi-centennial? Semi-sen? I don't know. Maybe. We'll figure it out. But like Armando said, get ready for- That sounds like a weird anime character. Semi-sen. Semi-sen-san. Or it would be semi-sen-sama. I don't follow any of the <laughs> things you just said. I'm looking it up. <laughs> okay, so first off, uh, we have to get Armando into anime because there are volleyball anime, there are basketball anime, there are tops anime i i refuse i do not watch it is any... semi
0: centennial it is indeed semi centennial great job but i also don't watch any anime of any sort of any kind
2: uh semi centennial has nothing to do with anime it's literally it literally we means were, 50 we're years. About something else we were talking about semi whatever that is <laughs> yeah just paid it out
1: I'd like to thank you for joining us today on fountain city sports media this podcast is brought to you by listener support so consider becoming a friend of the podcast check out our patreon page at patreon.com backslash f c s m there you'll find premium content including outtakes bonus episodes and exclusive beer reviews Find us on Instagram at FountainCitySM to get updates on the podcast, sports, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friends Kyle and Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media.